Welcome to Women Talk Money, the podcast. I'm your host, Akira, and I was just like you, winging it with my finances until I decided the generational paycheck to paycheck cycle stopped with me. I created a simple way to manage my money with the freedom to achieve my financial goals without sacrificing the things I love. I'm here to help you do the same, to show you that money can be simple, unrestrictive, and empowering. Stay tuned and I'll show you how. On today's episode of Women Talk Money, I'm going to be discussing why debt feels so overwhelming. I'll talk about different types of debt, what makes us so emotional when it comes to debt, and how to be more neutral so you can get out of the debt cycle for good. So first, let's talk about two different types of debt. There is revolving debt and there is non-revolving debt. Because when it comes to feeling like debt is becoming out of control, usually it's due to revolving debt. So revolving debt allows you to keep borrowing money until you have reached your limit. So think about things like your credit card. This is the most common type of revolving debt. With a revolving debt, you are assigned a credit limit that you can borrow from, and this limit is based on your credit score. Now you can keep borrowing from this limit continuously for an ongoing basis. You are not restricted on what you can purchase with the credit typically, and you're only charged interest on the amount that you have borrowed, not the entire amount available to you. So let's break this down. You apply for a credit card and you approve for a $5,000 limit and you are assigned an interest rate of 20%. This means you have $5,000 available to you to make any type of purchase that you want. So let's say you need to make a purchase of $2,000. You will be charged 20% in interest against the $2,000 that you borrowed. You will not be charged interest on the total amount available to you, which is $5,000 total, which is the limit that you have on your credit card. Now there's no set time that you have to pay this $2,000 back. You do, however, have to pay a minimum amount every single month. And that minimum amount is typically 1% of your balance plus the interest. Sometimes you'll see credit cards do things a little differently where you have to pay 2% of your total amount that you borrowed, which would be 2% of the $2,000. And this is where you see your minimum payment come into play. Now, the reason why people keep going into more debt is because you can keep borrowing as you need. And this is something that we see happening with revolving debt. Again, because there is no set time that you have to pay this back, you just have to meet the minimum payment every single month and you can keep borrowing until you hit the credit card limit. Now let's compare that same credit card debt to something like an auto loan. Now an auto loan is a non-revolving debt because you borrow a fixed amount of money for a set period of time. So let's say you purchased a car for $20,000 and you needed to borrow $20,000 from the lender and you have to pay that $20,000 back over the course of five years. This means you will pay a fixed amount, which is your fixed monthly payment for five years. And in five years, you will have the total balance of $20,000 paid off. And this is assuming you don't make any extra payments, right? So let's break this down. On a $20,000 car loan at 3% in interest for five years, your monthly payment is $377. So for your very first payment, 294 of that $377 goes towards the principal. $83, which is the remaining portion of the $377, goes towards the interest. So that means on your original balance of $20,000, one payment, your very first payment of $377 brought down your principal 
balance to $19,705 because only a partial amount of that $377 worth of your payment went towards the principal, which was the $294. The remaining amount went to the interest, which was the $83. So over time, this same payment of $377, let's say two years later, $323 goes towards the principal and $54 goes towards the interest. This is because each month you continue paying down your principal over time. So you're only charged 3% on the principal amount. Now, the reason it's important to understand revolving debt versus non-revolving debt is because a lot of the times when debt starts to feel overwhelming, it's because we have to keep borrowing against the credit line that we have available. And this typically refers to revolving debt, whereas non-revolving debt, when you keep paying off your balance each month, you can't go and respend the money that you originally had. So on a $20,000 car loan, for example, let's say you paid off $3,000, you can't now go borrow that $3,000 again. You only have the original amount that was assigned to you, which was the $20,000. Now, this is where quote unquote good debt versus bad debt comes into the conversation. When you hear folks talk about good debt versus bad debt, they're typically referring to credit cards or revolving lines of credit being bad debt because of the nature of how revolving credit works and the interest associated with it. Again, because there is typically a higher interest assigned to revolving credit because you can keep borrowing it over time and you're not required to pay it back in a certain time frame. Whereas non-revolving credit, you are assigned a time frame where you have to pay all of that amount that you borrow back, like a five-year car loan, like a 15-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage. You're required to pay the amount you borrow back over that set amount of time. Whereas revolving credit, you just have to make your minimum payment each month and you still are allowed to borrow money until you hit your limit. So that's why you see a higher interest applied to revolving lines of credit. On the other hand, quote unquote, good debt refers to debt that can increase your wealth. So for example, people refer to mortgages or student loans, things like that being quote unquote, good debt. Now this is a relative term based on one's value. For example, some people don't believe in student loans. Some people don't believe that you have to go to school and get an education in order to increase your wealth. That's why I say that this term is so relative. This is just based on society's idea of what is good and what is bad. But typically the reason why they call it quote unquote, good debt is because those things that they associate with good debt increase your your wealth. So for example, you borrow $300,000 for your home and over time, your home gains value. So if you were to sell your home, maybe you can sell it at $500,000 or $400,000 because you have gained a certain amount of money for that purchase that you made, which technically makes it an asset. So when I approach debt with my clients, I like to take it back to a fundamental level, meaning all debt, regardless of whether it's non-revolved debt or revolving debt stems from either not having the cash available or not wanting to tie up all of your cash on a purchase. As a result, you borrow that money from a lender in order to make the purchase and then pay it back over time. Regardless of where that time is a set amount of time, like with non-revolving credit, or if it's on an ongoing basis, like with revolving credit. Now, it's important to have this fundamental understanding because it really allows for you to make new 
neutral decisions about your debt in terms of paying it off without being driven by emotions. Now, here's what I mean. Let's say you have $100,000 in student loan debt, $300,000 in mortgage, $13,000 for an auto loan, and $30,000 in credit cards. Every single one of those things is technically a debt, meaning that you had to borrow some amount of money and you are paying it back over time. Regardless whether that thing is earning value over time, you still need it to borrow money and you are going to pay it back. So fundamentally, all of these debts were due to a lack of cash. Again, whether you had the cash available but didn't want to tie it up on that purchase or you didn't have the cash available and you really needed to borrow money from a lender and be able to pay it back over time. You have a $30,000 credit card balance and let's say your limit is $50,000. If you pay off $10,000, you can borrow that $10,000 again because technically you won't be at your limit. As opposed to the $13,000 in an auto loan, once you pay off, let's say $5,000 of that auto loan, you can't then borrow $5,000 back. You just bring your balance down by $5,000 and you keep paying it down over the fixed amount of time. So the idea of feeling like debt is overwhelming and feeling like you're going into more debt is because of the revolving debt, because of the credit card, because you can technically keep borrowing as long as you don't exceed your limit. But at a fundamental level, the real reason why you're going into more debt is because there is a lack of cash available to where you have to keep using that revolving credit card line in order to make whatever purchase it is that you need to make. Whether you're using it for emergencies or maybe you're overspending every month or maybe because you're not making enough money to cover your expenses. Now, the sneaky part about credit card debt is the ability to keep borrowing is how you become more and more into debt. And that's where we get into this debt cycle where we keep going into more and more debt because we can keep borrowing money against the line of credit. So in order for those revolving lines of credit like your credit cards to keep going down, you need to increase your cash, not to tie up the cash you do have in credit card payments. Now here's what I mean by that. For each of your debts, whether it's non-revolving debt or revolving debt, there is a minimum balance that you have to pay. Now, typically, we're used to paying the set balance on things like our mortgage, our car, our student loans, unless you decide you want to make extra payments each month or extra payments every so often, right? But typically, you know your mortgage is, let's say, $2,000. Your car payment is $400. Your student loan payment may be $500. That's the minimum amount that you have to pay in order to meet the terms of your loan. Now, credit cards also have this. There's a minimum payment that you have to pay in order to meet the terms of the credit card agreement. Now, typically, let's say if you have $30,000 of credit card debt, your minimum payment over all of the credit cards that you have may be $700 a month. Now, a common practice that I see is people paying above their minimum payment on the credit cards because they want to pay down their balances faster. But the caveat is when when you do this without having cash available to you, so you don't even have to use that credit card in the first place, you're really just getting deeper into a debt cycle. And this is ultimately what makes your debt feel out of control because you are simply tying up all the cash that you have in credit cards and in turn making yourself dependent on the credit card because you don't have the cash available to cover all of your expenses. Whether you are overspending, whether those expenses are due to an emergency, or whether those expenses is because 
because you technically don't make enough money. The root of the problem is, is that you don't have the cash available and you have to keep using the credit card. And that's why the debt cycle is really an emotional game. On one hand, you want to see your credit card balance go down significantly. So you pay that extra money. You use that extra cash and you put it towards the credit cards. Otherwise, if you look at how long you would be paying off your credit card, if you only made the minimum payment on a $30,000 balance, it would take decades, right? And that's the number that really makes it seem overwhelming. It makes people feel like they will be in debt forever. And that alone feels defeating. So of course, your reaction is to pay off whatever you can immediately. And that's what I mean by making emotional money decisions. You see that it's going to take decades to pay off a $30,000 credit card if you only make the minimum payment. So emotionally, we feel like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be in debt forever. I have to put more money towards this debt. Now, on the other hand, a more neutral decision would be to determine how much cash would you have on hand if you were only to pay your minimum. Now, this is where it's important to go back to that fundamental understanding of debt, right? So with our mortgage, with our student loans, with our car loan, we are used to paying just the minimum. What if we also treated credit cards that way? Because again, all debt is the same. You're borrowing a certain amount of money and you are agreeing to pay it back over time. Now, maybe for you, this means you would have an extra $300 to $500 if you only paid your credit card minimums. Now, let's decide to use that cash that you would have if you didn't pay extra on your credit card for expenses that you are needing to continue to use your credit card for, right? This means maybe you need an extra $200 in your budget for food because you keep going over your food budget by $200 consistently every single month. Maybe it looks like keeping an extra $150 for an upcoming oil change, or maybe it's building up $500 worth of cash for gifts that you need to purchase over the next six months, whether it's for birthdays, whether it's for a holiday, or whatever the case may be. Whatever that looks like for you to have the cash that you need on hand for the next three to six months. So let's say you decide that total amount of cash that you need is $800 on top of your recurring monthly expenses. So instead of paying an extra $300 to $500 a month in credit cards, use that cash instead to build up to the $800 that you need over the course of the next three to six months. So this means that you are not tying up all of your cash and credit card payments so you can truly stop using the credit card and not be in a debt cycle of paying extra money on your credit card and then needing to go back and use it because you didn't have the cash available. Now remember, even if you're only paying the minimum payment to your credit card, you are still in compliance with the terms of the credit card agreement, right? You're not missing a payment. You are still agreeing to pay the minimum balance. You are just deciding to not pay extra for a couple of months while you build up this cash. Now, after the period of time where you're building up the cash you need, you can then resume paying extra towards your credit card. The difference is you're not needing to take out the money on a credit card again after making that extra payment. So this time you will strictly be able to keep paying down your balance without needing to then again borrow from that revolving line of credit. You're treating this credit card as a non-revolving credit because you're not borrowing from it again and again. So this process took some neutralization to realize what is the fundamental cause of debt. It is genuinely a lack of cash. And typically when we think about non-revolving lines of credit like our auto loan or our mortgage, we're used to just 
paying that minimum set amount. Now, what I'm saying, what if we considered all of our debt is on the same playing field? There's no good debt. There's no bad debt. We're just treating all the debt the same. Now, we're typically used to just paying what we're required to pay for those non-revolving lines, right? For the mortgage, for the auto loans, maybe for our student loans. What if we also treated our credit cards the same way, pay the minimum payment that we're required to so that we can build up cash that we need so that we don't have to keep borrowing from the credit card. Because ultimately what makes debt feel so overwhelming is that we have to keep borrowing from it because the nature of credit cards, right? It's a revolving line of credit, meaning that you can keep borrowing against the credit that's available to you as long as you don't exceed your limit. So for a set period of time, if we didn't keep tying up all of our cash and credit cards and truly being able to pay off the credit card without having to keep using the credit card for different expenses, that would allow us to really put extra payments truly towards the balance of the credit card plus the interest without having to then take it back out for something else over time. So this means you are consistently paying down on the credit card and not building your balance back up. So if you are someone who feels like your debt is out of control, Control, I want you to think about what is causing you to keep needing to use your credit cards in the first place. What would it look like for you to have this cash available? Where in your current budget can you prioritize building up this cash so you do not have to keep using your credit card? So for example, are you paying extra towards your credit card debt? Are you paying extra towards maybe your mortgage or are you paying extra towards your car loan? Where can you use that extra money that you already have in your budget to build up so that you can use that cash to stop using your credit cards and understanding that long term you will be able to pay your credit card balance much faster when you're not having to continuously take on more debt. So right now it may feel out of control but some of that feeling is caused by making emotional money decisions. So again it's caused by looking at how long it would take for us to pay off $30,000 worth of credit cards if we only paid the minimum. That feeling makes us pay extra towards our credit card but what it's really doing is tying up the cash that we actually need to stop using the credit card in the first place. So where can you take a step back, be more neutral, and understand the fundamental reason you needed to go in debt in the first place and be able to make a strategic decision to address the root problem because it would truly get you out of that debt cycle. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Women Talk Money. Connect with me on Instagram at Akira Nicholson, where I share more about managing your money without sacrificing the things you love on the way to your next financial goal. If you want to learn more about what it looks like to have me guide you step-by-step to managing your money with confidence so you can achieve your next money goal, then check out my website linked below in the show notes.